Ladies and gentlemen, Hay Fever is just a next level challenge, man. Hay Fever will humble you. No matter how many uh, antihistamines you take, it's, it's going to come somehow. It's going to come somehow. And it was Public Enemy's Chuck D. Bring the noise. Podcast Network. I'm Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week in the circumstances. Man, my eyes are watering like just they're just dripping right now. <laughs> as we speak, I'm just like I, I, my, I just I'm just closing my eyes and I'm just talking, but I know I need to open them at some point and just give them a wipe because they are just constantly watering. Like hay fever just humbles you, man. It's so. Uh, if it ain't your nose, it's your eyes. If it ain't your eyes, it's something else like just itching. You know what I mean? It's just, oh, it's your nose itching. Uh, oh, I don't know. And then, then your eyes itch and then you feel like you have to scratch them and then you're irritating them. It's like, oh my gosh. I take an antihistamine every day when I wake up and I'll still get shit like this. It's just, ain't it, ain't it. But anyway, apart from that, how do you guys rate my voice right now? Because I've, uh, I've I've changed it up um, in the in the in the settings of my uh, of my mic, and I kind of like it. I've done it a couple of times now. Did it for an interview. Just did um, f- uh, for uh, WG. Um, that's going to come maybe next week, maybe the week after. Whenever I just um, have time to get at it, get at it. Um, it's really good. So I can't wait to uh, drop that and. Uh, you know, I've tried it on DITD as well. I tried it on the last episode of DITD, and uh, yeah, I'm liking it. I'm liking it. I'm liking the professional sounding it gives me. You know, I mean, just uh, it doesn't manipulate my voice too much, but it gives you that, gives me that heft, gives me that you know professional feel. Um, I feel like uh, the radio lot get um, over there. So I'm here for it. I'm, I'm I might keep it like this. Let me let me know if you guys rate it because um, I do think there is a definite difference between just regular. Um, just regular default setting and this uh, broadcast setting, which is uh, what it's called. Um, so I'm here for it. I'm gonna continue with it. Um, but yeah, we have a solid uh, docket uh, agenda for this episode. Um, a lot of it, I'm gonna get the serious stuff out of the way, um, and then uh, we'll go into more. We'll get lighter as we go in some in some ways. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, I think it's good, nicely balanced. Um, and yeah, formalities before we begin. Email design. No, no, no. Email Twitter. This one, they call that all that, all that in the full show notes. Please go give the articles a read for yourself. Go give them a read and support the writers that make this show possible. And with that said, let the beat drop. Let's get into the show. week where Justin Bieber fa- uh, reveals facial paralysis uh, from Ramsey Hunt syndrome. Um, you know, one, I don't care about Justin Bieber in general. Um, I do find this kind of fascinating just because of the recent uh, ailments uh, that he's gained. And also his wife Haley's gained as well. Apparently she had a stroke recently. 
Um, you know, not I follow pop culture biz, showbiz like that. Um, but yeah, apparently she had a stroke, and I was just like, hmm. I don't know. Some people are trying to connect it to some form of like long COVID, and you know, I, I, I don't know, man. I wouldn't rule that shit out. I mean, I don't know how rare Ramsey Hunt syndrome is, but I've never heard of it until now. So, I mean, and I'm not, you know, a doctor or anything. <laughs> I'm not the I'm not the arbiter of of information, but you know it's you know it's weird. It's, it's interesting. I don't know. Maybe it's something there. Who knows? Uh, a former British soldier has died fighting Russian forces. Um, so I remember Channel Four uh, did a couple of did a mini series of this um, on their on their news. Um, well, Channel Four News, obviously, um, like a free part, and they had like an eighteen year old go or nineteen year old. He he went there. And uh, he was kind of just being, he, he clocked very quickly that he was going to be used to cannon fodder. Um, and instead of joined like, joined like an NGO and just giving out food. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's, I, I don't know what, uh, what kind of instance takes over you, you know what I mean? To just, I'm going to go to Ukraine and, you know, fight. If it was like NGO shit, then sure. Like, you know, giving out food, aid, stuff like that, then sure. I get it. I get the altruism there, but I'm going to go fight. I don't know. I'm not built like that, clearly. <laughs> British journalist uh, Dom Phillips and Brazilian indigenous expert Bruno Pereira go missing in Brazil. And um, this, is, this has been a very rapidly developing story. So I've kept it really basic in terms of what's going on. Um, but yeah, there's there's plenty of uh, updates if you guys want to look that up. Um, some, uh, I think... Uh, People, I think some authority had to apologise, saying they found some bodies and they said it was hit, said it was them, but now it's not, so they had to take it back and apologise to the families. It's a lot, um, and it's rapidly developing, so uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Queen Elizabeth II becomes the second longest reigning monarch. Um, I think Louis the Fourteenth is the first is the, is is ahead of her now. Um, damn, she it's it's like a she's she's doing like an M, what an NBA player does uh, when they're in their nineteenth year or whatever, and they just they're just constantly rising up the ranks of like the scoring chart or whatever, and it's, it's just like a mini celebration every couple of weeks. I feel like that's what she's doing. She's just knocking off all the milestones just before you know it all ends. Um, and lastly, uh, Scotland uh, will make another attempt for independence, and I'm here for it in my anarchist mind. Blow everything up and. Uh, Let's have fun with that. Let's just enjoy that. Let's just, let's just watch the fireworks go. Let's just light a match to it, guys. Apologies if you hear any background noise. Um, I have my window open because it's like 27 degrees in here. So take it or leave it. Um, so let's begin with uh, Rwanda. And um, this article um, was uh, dro- dropped on the 11th of June. Um, but uh, So before the flight, the first flights out uh, to Rwanda uh, were scheduled um, which was uh, this Tuesday, this past Tuesday, as I record, um, and uh, the flight uh, actually got stopped um, wholesale. Um, the EU is going to, um, uh, I think, a, I don't know if it's like sue the uh, sue the um, UK. I, I, f- I forget. I, I forget what the, I think it's like a lawsuit, something like that, um, over human rights violations, um, and uh, you know. The fact that it has to take so many people, so many activists, so many lawyers, so many protesters, and even a freaking EU to come at to come at the UK Home Office to say, yeah, this is wrong. <sighs> Shit, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> what are we doing there? Um, but anyway, I still want to talk about this. I still want to read this article. I still think it's important. Um, uh, you know, and it still can happen. Like, the flight got stopped, but it still can happen. Um, and that's actually a good. Um, it was actually a good uh, newsletter I got from the Guardian. I, I read their um, 
I read their daily uh, newsletter uh, from uh, uh, Archie Bland and uh, Nino Omar. Um, and uh, it was kind of interesting of how he broke it down because every day, or not every day, but um, there was they, they basically break it down into uh, this day and the target was this. So 14th of April, resettlement target, tens of thousands, quote unquote. And then 6th of May, target, 300 people. 14th of May, 50 people within a fortnight. 20th of May, in the hundreds each year. June, uh, 7th of June, first flight, 130 people. Uh, 8th of June, first flight, 30 people. Uh, Monday, fir- first flight, fewer than 10 people. And then, obviously, uh, last night, cancelled. Um, and it also has like a, they also have little details on channel crossing. So 260 last night, uh, Monday 138 and three boats. Uh, yes. Anyway, it's it's very fascinating. I wanted to just shout that out. Um, but yeah, let's get into this uh, particular article. This is by Nandini Archer via Open Democracy. It's called "We Were Tortured by Smugglers. Now the Government is Torturing Us." Let's jump right in. Um, and all the names, um, just to note, are uh, changed uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, Bahram uh, fled torture and uh, persecution in Iran and arrived in the UK by boat last month. Quote, I had to go through a dangerous route or route. Uh, I put my life in the hands of smugglers, but I had no other choice, he told Open Democracy. But as soon as he touched British soil, the smuggler alerted the British police who threw him into Brookhouse Immigration Detention Centre. The Home Office served Bahram with a notice on 31st of May uh, saying he'd uh, be removed to Rwanda. He's one of those due to be on the first removal flight as part as um, now now cancelled, obviously, uh, Pre Patel's controversial news scheme, a scheme that seeks to have asylum claims processed in the East African country. Quote, I didn't know anything about the plan to send people like me to Rwanda, and I can't describe how devastated I've been since getting the news, he said. If the UK doesn't want to accept any refugees, then they should just say it outright. I came to the UK to seek asylum, not Rwanda, a country that's had civil wars and human rights violations, and is not a country that I want to see, want to be sent to as an asylum seeker. Unquote. Bahram was a police commander in Iran, but suffered persecution and torture after disobeying orders to shoot protesters in November 2019. Quote, His case is an example of acting in accordance uh, to conscience and being punished for it, said uh, Shadi uh, Sada, S-A-D-R, Sadr, 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 I'm going to say Sadr, uh, the executive director of NGO Justice for Iran and one of the uh, organisers of the Iran Atrocities Tribunal, uh, which examines evidence of human rights violations in Iran. Sadr says uh, they're determined to win his case, quote, we have, uh, ma- we have made every single attempt to save him from being transferred to Rwanda, she explains, including by appealing to the media, human rights organisations and politicians. We've also secured him uh, one of the best teams of lawyers to work on their judicial review and take any other legal action that may be required. Uh, like Bahram, a 23-year-old Zoran from Iraq has been detained since arriving in the UK on 14th of May. He says his mental health is deteriorating in detention. Quote, I just want a normal, peaceful life. I don't know why they put me here and why they're threatening to send me to a country which people are fleeing themselves or in told of democracy. He was due to be put on the same flight as Bahram, but his ticket was cancelled after his lawyer's intervention, though it's unclear what, in the end, won over the Home Office. Uh, Zorin has had been shot by an Iraqi police officer and is now disabled as a result. He says he was forced into, onto a boat uh, cro- across the channel by armed smugglers. 
uh, quote, we were living in a very difficult, in a very difficult circumstances. Okay. Uh, we were tortured by smugglers and now the government are doing the same. They are torturing us, he said. He says that being Kurdish, uh, he always fought for his freedom and he won't stop now. Another quote. I strongly reject the Rwanda government for making this deal. It is against basic human rights. Pray Patel's plans are racist and censored, says Zoe Gardner, head of advocacy and policy at Joint Council for the Welfare of Immigrants. It's a long name. Uh, the group represented Zoran. Uh, and we know they would put Zoran and so many others who sought safety here in danger. Uh, they have escaped hell, only to be threatened with a new hell, says, uh, said Karen Doyle, an organiser with the Migrant Rights Activist Group Movement for Justice, or MFJ. She says the detainees scheduled to fly on Tuesday's flight are quote-unquote terrified. Uh, many have suffered deeply traumatic events in their home countries, including torture and trafficking, and are now desperate. None of the detainees she's spoken to can see any scenario where they settle in Rwanda. Quote, Many have said they will be dead before the plane touches the ground. The most likely outcome is that people will leave Rwanda as soon as they can, becoming prey to exploitation and abuse along the way. Unquote. Doyle explains that this is exactly what happened with Israel's attempt to send thousands to Rwanda in 2018. Oh wow, it's not even an original idea. That's crazy. Not even an original idea. Fucking hell. Uh, quote, the majority ended up leaving, many ended up being uh, enslaved in Libya, so whether or not Rwanda processes people's claims is irrelevant, no one is staying in Rwanda, unquote. Her organisation is aware of Kurdish, Iraqis, Iranians, Albanians, Sudanese, Egyptians, Syrians, and at least one Afghan detainee who have been served removal directions for Rwanda, all are men. Claire Mosley from Care for Calais uh, has also been in touch with hundreds of asylum seekers who are scheduled to fly on Tuesday. They are all absolutely shot and destroyed by the news. No one can really believe it, she says. And again, the plane was um, uh, stopped. Um, activists and lawyers still believe the flight may be delayed. There we go. Thanks to the changes. So let's just list this as fact, obviously, um, since uh, this was obviously speculative beforehand. The Public and Commercial uh, Services Union, or PCS, Care for Calais, and Detention Action, along with four asylum seekers facing removal, had issued judicial review proceedings in the High Court on Friday. A judge rejected their injunction to stop the flight, but the group say their applications has already been granted to appeal uh, the decision. Uh, the appeal will be held on Monday, and a larger legal case against the scheme will be heard over the coming weeks. Mosley believes the policy is a breach of refugee and human rights laws. She says refugees cannot be punished for entering the country unlawfully, and that they have a right to a fair trial, a proper hearing, and access to lawyers. Quote, we need to know more about whether asylum seekers will have the access to these important rights in Rwanda before we simply send them there, unquote. Doyle from the MFJ called on companies involved in the scheme to pull out for and for trained unions to support workers who refuse to cooperate. This is the basis for PCS Challenge as the union represents home office staff. Bahram is still hoping he won't be on the Tuesday's plane to Rwanda, but says it's hard to stay positive. Quote, to be honest with you, I'm not feeling well at all. I'm under an unbelievable amount of stress. But with the support of the people around me, uh, I'm just trying to do whatever I can that this decision is reversed, unquote. And, you know, like I said several times, um, the, uh, uh, the train, the plane was stopped. Um, but just thinking about how all this is going on and they're just still going ahead with it. You know what I mean? They're just, they're just like... Um, yeah, we're going to have, um, you know, people are uh, battling this in the high courts and stuff like this and appeals going on, you know, people raising the hell about it. Um, but let's still get the plane out. 
You know, so there could be a point, right? There could have been, there's a parallel universe out there where the plane went, several planes are going to go in the next, um, let's say, month, a few months, right? And then, uh, and then maybe the, let's say, in this case, in this scenario, in this parallel universe, that the, uh, the lawyers and the activists win, right? And uh, stop this whole whole thing from from happening and it never get and it gets stopped immediately imagine that right imagine if they win and there's just like a couple of hundred people just in rwanda and what we're gonna get them back we're gonna go the the is the home office gonna get a plane for them to come back you know what i mean this is just how heartless i i i'm thinking very pessimistically um obviously um but it's just jarring to think about people going and getting literally just shipped off right to another place um and while Rwanda has um its uh, positives um you know have uh, i think like the most women in government uh, per uh, per something um you know there's some good things you can say about Rwanda but damn as a as just a spot of um, you know no, let's just say this i'm going to be blunt i can't think i can't say this in any other way People ain't running to Rwanda, okay? This is not, it's just not happening. So people ain't running to Rwanda. People are not going. Hmm, you know what? I want to go Rwanda. I'm just I'm just being honest, right? Um, it's not me being, you know, just a uh, I don't know, like uh, xenophobic in some way, or you know, not that. It's just you're not going to Rwanda. Like it's just not happening, right? And to send asylum seekers there to be quote unquote processed. Why not process them right now? process them go do what you want to do in terms of process but is and even and obviously there's a uh, an argument here about just taxpayer money and uh, you know how much is this be how much is all this costing all this legwork just to get people out to to rwanda why not just process them here like you have been doing why not what's the what's the issue why do they have to fuck off somewhere else you know what i mean and we know the answer because they just want them to be there and not be here and that's it. That's that's all it is. Um, and I do find it funny that um, Keir Starmer is a human rights lawyer, or was a human rights lawyer, and uh, I, I haven't really heard much repeat from him on this front. Uh, none, no flag waving here, um, and uh, it's you know it's just par for the course for the Tory government. And I, I, you know, just they just wake up every morning and just go, how can we be worse um, as as humans? How can we be more shit here as humans? Um, so. Yeah, happy the um, uh, the flight got stopped, um, but man, yeah, this is this is going to be a developing story, and um, and uh, yeah, it will it will definitely definitely continue uh, for the month to come. The next segment is uh, continuing on open democracy, funny enough, um, and uh, this is a kind of analysis uh, on uh, the fifth anniversary. I don't know how I don't know how the worst to word it, but anniversary is just too positive a word. But you know, five years since uh, the Grenfell Tower fire. Um, you know, I've talked about the Grenfell Tower uh, fire. You know, probably at least once a year um, around this time. Uh, and I rarely do that, um, but I th- I remember I remember it so vividly. I remember going to sleep, seeing it happen, but just thinking, oh, it's just you know, it, it'll it'll be it'll get sorted. But and then it just got worse and worse. 
Um, and I don't think, well, I'll, 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 I'd like to say people couldn't see it coming, but there's people that saw it coming. And, you know, you can you can see where I'm going with that. Um, but the reason why I remember it so vividly, and the reason, reason why I like, I like, the reason why I pursue to talk about it, at least around the time of the anniversary, is because I remember this conversation I had um with uh when when I was uh when I was at uni um I had uh student radio shows you know is um, I'm assuming most of you guys know I used to put it I don't know if I still have it in my uh, show description um but I used to uh, I definitely used to have it if I don't I still have it um but yes it was good came out for those that don't know for those unaware uh what's good came out of my student radio show which was by the same name um it's the first any recording that I did, um, any, you know, just airwaves-based thing I did, acoustical, you know, presentation that I did. Um, and, you know, I was very raw and, uh, you know, I was kind of just popping off um, a lot of the time um, and just, talk, you know, still talking about things I want to talk about. Didn't really know what I wanted to do, you know. I didn't know what I wanted to talk about sometimes and, you know, I kind of, I kind of, Effort, I put in so much effort to talk about um, things for a long time and I had to play music as well um, so I was, it was kind of you know it was kind of what we, what, what do you want to do here you know what I mean so that's kind of what I spent two years doing um, and now I've got this um, but onto the story um, I, I remember when Grenfell happened and I talked about it on the show and I was being very frank I was being very blunt with it um, admittedly um, but I was still talking about a an event where people died, um, and that's at the end of the day what this is, you know. Um, but afterwards, uh, the station manager and uh, program controller, basically the two you know people up uh, up in the little hierarchy that um, Shouter Radio Sonar have, um, they brought me down for a meeting um, to talk about Grenfell. And to and basically to say that you know you can't talk politics, and I got very jarred by it. Um, it was kind of the reason why I the the nail in the coffin of why I didn't want to do radio specifically, and I went into podcasting instead. Um, because I've been wanting to do radio since I was like ten years old. By the way, it was one of my childhood dreams. But once that happened, it was kind of it kind of all came crashing down. I was just like, I'm not talking about politics. I may have mentioned I may have mentioned what a politician is doing or whatever, right? Um, but um, I must still have a recording somewhere uh, saved in my hard drive. But, um, you know, I was talking about people that died. You know what I mean? That's, that's, and that's what I... That's why I try to bring home. You know, this is going to be talking about, you know, who who should have gone down, what has happened since. Um, it's actually, this is, uh, article's called It's Five Years Since Grenfell. Here's what we've learned from the inquiry so far. So there's, a, you know, it's going to be a lot of information here. Um, uh, this is by Daniel Trilling and uh, Peter Rapps, housing journalist as well. Um, but yeah, regards to that, people died. Um, seventy-two people died. Um, and there's plenty of stories. There's you know more than seventy-two stories um, that you can find um, everywhere else. I guarantee you around this time. Um, but it's still going on, and there's still justice that needs to be served. And uh, I can't say that without saying politicians need to get their fucking finger out pretty much you know what i mean so anyway that's that aside let's jump around into the article on june 14th 2017 
the fire in Golf Grenfell Tower, council-owned housing block in West London, killing 72 people. Five years on, the public inquiry into the disaster is drawing to a close. The inquiry has already provided a string of shocking revelations that raise much larger questions about democracy and power in the UK, yet it has all but disappeared from the news. Peter Raps, the deputy editor inside housing, has been reporting on the inquiry throughout here. He talks to Open Democracy uh, through some key points. The increased first phase, uh, which examined events on the night of the fire, found that flammable cladding, which was added to the building in 2014-16 renovation, that breached safety regulations, caused the flames to spread in such a devastating matter. And we gained that information, by the way, like a week later. I remember watching Channel 4 News um, around this time, and um, you know they got that information. That, that information came pretty quickly of just talking about cladding in general. Um, and then figuring out that there are so many tower blocks across the country that have this same cladding, uh, or have you know flammable cladding of a different name, of a you know similar brand or whatever. Um, anyway, perhaps the most shocking claim made in the second isn't in the second phase, which is examining long ter- longer term factors, is that the companies that supply the deadly cladding had known for years that their material would burn, but concealed the risks. You know, that's, that's it. That's what it'll, uh, there, there you go. Jail. That, you know what I mean? It's it, 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 Inquiry. Jail. <laughs> like, if they knew, who knew? Jail. That's it. It's not hard. It's not hard to find justice, honestly. I really don't find this hard. I don't find this hard. Stuff like this. Who did it? Who who gave the okay? Jail them. Simple as. Uh, pri- uh, uh, politicians who green-lighted it. Jail. That's it. Simple. Boom. It's not hard. Anyway. I'm going to stop trying to go on tangents. Uh, lawyers for the bereaved and survivors have described Arconic, Celotex, and Kingspan, all major, all major uh, players in the global construction industry, as, quote, little more than crooks and killers, unquote. Internal company emails submitted to the inquiry included uh, staff at Kingspan, an station manufacturer describing its own safety testing as, quote, unquote, complete spin, and, quote, unquote, a bit of a cheat. The companies have denied wrongdoing, but for apps, the evidence points to a huge, huge, uh, to quote, a huge, huge corporate scandal. I think the uh, behavior of these companies was unbelievable, just the amount of knowledge they had of the risks and their products and the lack of uh, willingness to stop selling them, unquote. This raises wider questions about safety standards in the construction industry. Then the Grenfell Inquiry, app says, quote, is the only time we've looked under the bonnet. Uh, Usually there's no transparency around a large company's internal emails, you don't, you don't ever see them. Uh, this is the only time we've looked at this and what they look like. Maybe for other organisations, this isn't the case, but, for, uh, but all three of these organisations had embarrassing emails, so it suggests a wider problem, unquote. If a corporate scandal wasn't enough, the evidence also suggests a serious prolonged failure in state regulation. In spring this year, the inquiry heard that the British government was aware of the risk uh, flammable cladding opposed uh, to high-rise buildings as far back as 1991. <laughs> Oh, so hard to stop. Um, after a fire at a block of flats in Merseyside. Uh, other warnings uh, followed over the years, yet despite this, says apps, successive governments made no effort to t- uh, tighten regulations. Quote, the amount of times in this story that government is given the opportunity to toughen the standards and doesn't is extraordinary, unquote. Perhaps the reason lies in a combination of lobbying by the uh, in, uh, construction industry and, quote, an ideological aversion to regulation, unquote, shared by New Labour and Conservative left governments. Uh, another quote, they wanted to deregulate, they wanted to be setting industry free to uh, innovate. You have to ask the question, who does the political system serve, apps ads? 
if something is politically uh, difficult because it upsets product manufacturers, that's not how we expect our democracy to function, unquote. The coalition government uh, government's program of austerity, which cut billions of pounds from public sector budgets after 2010, is often blamed for its role in the Grenfell disaster. Cuts accompanied by a fresh drive by Br- uh, David Cameron to sweep away Britain's health and safety culture. Uh, for apps, the most damaging cuts were the less obvious ones. The decimation of local government, for instance, uh, meant uh, Grenfell's home borough of Kensington and Chelsea uh, reduce its team of building inspectors, ultimately responsible for signing off the botch refurbishment from 12 people to be- to between 4 and 5. Uh, the inspector who reviewed Grenfell was working on 130 projects simultaneously. Quote, when you start cutting money out of, a pub- out of the public sector, people uh, people start uh, cutting corners and reducing size of teams, says Apps. You don't really notice that things are getting worse uh, until something really bad happens, unquote. Another problem, says Apps, is that public services, quote, do not, don't have the capacity or the funds to transform, unquote. The first phase of the inquiry uh, found serious failings in planning in communication in the London Fire Brigade's uh, report, response on the night of the fire. Uh, one issue was that rescue efforts were hampered by radios that wouldn't work properly. Uh, quote, that's a straightforward issue with budget. Apps explains those radios weren't upgraded, unquote. Likewise, after an earlier deadly tower block fire at, Lankana, at La- Lacarnell House uh, in South London in 2009, warnings about the lack of sprinklers were not heeded. Quote, uh, we, could have, uh, we could have had a mass retrofit program of sprinklers to high-rise housing stock, but that was completely off the table in the era of austerity. We've missed opportunities to make uh, changes as much as things have been cut, unquote. Some campaigners have criticised the inquiry for not examining how other social and political factors may have contributed to the disaster. Housing policy is excluded from its scope, as is the twin impact of race and class. This means that the important questions such as uh, why residents' warnings about safety were so easily ignored before the fire, or why people from ethnic minority backgrounds are more likely to be housed in high-rise buildings, will go unanswered. Beyond that, App says the inquiry's focus on fact-finding was, while useful, means senior business executives and politicians are escaping scrutiny amid a focus on middle management and frontline staff. While some former ministers have given evidence, notably the former community secretary Eric Pickles, who generated headlines in April when he told the inquiry chair not to waste his time, they proceeded to get the Grenfell death toll wrong. The really, uh, really top politicians have not. Quote, that really pissed me off, by the way. I just just wanted to sock him in the face. Um, quote, we haven't heard from any former prime ministers or any former chancellors, says Apps, but they're the ones who set the tone. It was David Cameron and George Osborne who decided on austerity and deregulation in 2010. Theresa May had a big impact on the aftermath of the fire. Some people would argue in a good way, some people not. And she should have been called uh, to explain herself. Another quote, uh, Boris Johnson was mayor of London in the period between Lacarnell House and Grenfell, and therefore uh, he was the politician most directly responsible for the London Fire Brigade at the time, but he wasn't called. That does leave a gap, but it, uh, but it means you don't ask the big questions. And I feel like, and that's the end of the article, but I feel like there's just so much more. There's just so much more. Uh, why haven't they gotten the biggest uh, politicians out on this? It's not a full inquiry then, is it? I just don't. I just don't really. I'm not really getting the motive here. Um, of um, of you know, fact finding is fine. People need to go to jails. People, P- 
people need to go jail. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> they need to go jail. They really do. You know, it's, it's, it's the bare minimum. It's the bare minimum. Send these fuckers to jail. You know, these, these companies need to go down for it. Um, these politicians need to go down for it. I'm sorry. And for someone like Eric Pickles to come through, like, don't waste my time. Are you, excuse me? Excuse me? Are you serious? Who the fuck you are? Who the fuck are you? Who the fuck do you think you are? Like, it's, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm going to leave it there. Um, obvious thoughts out the way. Um, yeah. It's just horrible. And um, it's, it's, it's a shame. And I said this, um, I've, I've probably said this on wax, but um, I'll say it again regardless. Um, this is kind of just, this gives me Hillsborough vibes. Um, where it won't be, it, it just, it'll just keep going on and on. Um, you know, Hillsborough found some form of justice a few years ago. Maybe not fully, um, but some. And I don't know whether, the, whether, when this is going to, when, we, uh, when Grenfell's going to get justice. I really don't. Uh, when the people of uh, Grenfell, when the survivors of Grenfell, um, will get justice. Um, it's a shame. And, um, it's very, very depressing and uh, makes me angry, um, amongst other things, um, you know, constantly rattling against, uh, saber rattling um, against uh, Tory politics. But it's so clear, it's so clear what, what austerity has done um, to this country is so crystal. And Grenfell is quite literally five years ago a burning bright example of that. Hop into a segment on podcasting, and this is uh, via the LA Times uh, by Miss Wendy Lee, digital uh, media for uh, LA, uh, LA Times. Um, it's called uh, How Batman and Scotland Yard are helping Spotify move uh, beyond Joe Rogan Fallout. Um, honestly, I just found this, I, I just found the headline very amusing. Um, so I just I just wanted to give it a read and just uh, it is it, interesting. Um, and also we've uh, we've been, we've talked about Spotify and streaming before, and especially podcasting as well in the podcasting realm. Um, not even just here, but also on the search of source and uh, DIT as well. Uh, we've talked about it at ad nauseum. Uh, but here's another one, just in case you weren't ad nauseum enough, if that makes any sense. Four months ago, the Swedish podcasting giant uh, Spotify was in its own pop culture freefall. CEO apologized to employees for controversy surrounding the popular podcaster Joe Rogan and faced questions about whether the company's heavy foray into podcasting was backfiring. Rogan himself also apologized. Several musicians, including rock artist Neil Young, demanded they boycott Spotify. But ultimately, Young's boycott did not have any substantial effect on Spotify's business. The streaming service added subscribers in the first quarter, and Rogan said he gained more listeners. Instead of retreating, the company says it's doubling down on podcasting, continuing with a strategy that has propelled Spotify from an underdog in the audio medium to dominating its rival Apple, a pioneer in the space. The plan continue building exclusive original content through its own uh, podcast uh, production companies and partnerships and creating enough tools and monetization capabilities to entice new audio creators to bring their podcasts to Spotify. Quote, With the investment and attention that Spotify has brought to the podcast business, I think it really has made it to a place that you now feel the sky's the limit in terms of the audience, uh, said Judy McNamara, 
head of Spotify Talk Studios uh, in an interview. Nicole McNamara said, is it McNamara? I say McNamara. I don't know why I say it like that, but it's McNamara, isn't it? I, I should say it like that, but I don't know why I say McNamara. Um, it is to, be, is to build a podcast library with exclusive original programming. There's a mix of scripted narratives like Batman Unburied uh, and shows licensed uh, from uh, podcast creators such as Call Her Daddy, host Alexander Cooper and, and Rogan. The platform will also be supported by other audio creators uploading their work to Spotify, including me. Um, it's very easy to just put on Spotify and everywhere else. So, you know, why not? Um, it's shout to you if you're listening via Spotify. The Joe Rogan Experience has long ranked as number one on Spotify's chart, uh, podcast chart, but for the very fir- for the first time ever this year, it was overtaken by a Spotify original, Batman Unburied. For more than two weeks, uh, the audio series from Spotify's deal with Warner Bros. in DC tells the story of Gotham's Crusaders. He hunts for the Harvester, a criminal who eats his victims. Uh, Harvester, that's great. I feel like I feel like the restaurant should sue because. <laughs> um, you can get the bias. Uh, the uh, its cast includes Hollywood talent Winston Duke from Black Panther as Bruce Wayne, comedian Hassan Minhaj uh, as Riddler, and Gina Rodriguez from Jane the Virgin uh, as Barbara Gordon. I've actually heard of this. I, I don't know. I might give it a spin. I do like Hassan, um, but uh, yeah, I, I remember I saw him advertising it on uh, his IG, but I never actually got into it. Uh, I just don't listen to podcasts via um, Spotify. I don't know. I don't like the UI. I feel like listening to the, a podcast in the same way I listen to music should not be the same. Um, I use uh, Pocket Cast personally. And uh, yeah, I, I feel like the UI should be a completely different thing compared to listening to Spotify music. You know what I mean? Uh, Spotify for music. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just That's kind of why I don't. And also, you know, the tools for podcasts are very different for music. And I feel like they're trying to they've kind of half-assed that and just like, oh, just have the same tools as, you know, oh, just have a sleep timer like we always do and stuff like that. It's just, it's different. Podcast, listening to podcast is a different experience than listening to music. I feel like, and I feel like the UI should uh, reflect that. But anyway, that's, um, that's free advice to Spotify right there and everywhere else. Uh, Spotify has more than 4 million podcasts on its platform and estimated 32.5 million podcast listeners in the US this year, about 26% of the market. That's actually big enough for um, Apple had, uh, has uh, 28.5 million of podcast listeners, according to research firm, uh, firm eMarketer. Quote, we feel like we have all the tools in place to uh, get us to the next chapter of our audio evolution with really big swings, while we know we're also covered on the types of podcasts that current listeners seem to really enjoy the most, McNamara said. There you go, I said it right. The television programming veteran joined Spotify last September as head of US studios and video. She oversees Spotify-owned podcast production studios including Gimlet, Podcast, and The Ringer. Uh, and high-profile partnerships include Meghan Markle and Prince Harry's uh, production company, Archwell, Archwell Studio. Um, yeah, well, how's that going, by the way? Like, they, I swear they've just been given 300 mil to do nothing. Um, I think it's 300 mil, I forget the number, but yeah, it's, it's hilarious how they've just been thrown money and they've pretty much done nothing um and that's another thing right i saw um i saw there was like a really in-depth um thing uh with the harder they fall i went on the soundtrack and i've realized there's like another one and it's like a video with james samuel he obviously directed the film i think wrote the film as well and did this music for it um why isn't that front why wasn't that front and center you know what i mean and watch and i don't know about you i don't watch videos on spotify i've never i've Nah, nah, it's not musties. Again, same with Tidal as well. Um, they they have a lot of video content. And I'm just like, eh, nah. 
I don't know. It just feels different. You know what I mean? This is weird. This is weird going there for that. Um, a more recent success for Spotify is Parcast's uh, Scotland Yard Confidential, detailing crime cases handled by Scotland Yard. Um, it ranked number 18 on Spotify's US uh, podcast chart on Wednesday, but was ranked as high as number two after it debuted on May 19th. McNamara felt the show had global potential, but on, built on podcast success with true crime stories. Uh, quote, obviously Scotland Yard's at the root of true crime, and I think just having that turned on for me and realising that we need to think about at this as podcast as an international brand, says Matt Cutler, uh, podcast's Parcasts, Parcast, Parcasts. I've been saying Parcast all this time, and I'm just like, why am I pronouncing this just so weird? Parcast. I don't know, just both sounds weird. Parcasts, founder, and Spotify's head of talk, creator content, and partnerships. Uh, The recent uh, successes uh, have helped to blunt some of the criticism that Spotify didn't have much to show for uh, its heavy investments in podcasting, which we get. Excuse me. In 2019, with the acquisition of podcast production companies, including Gimlet and Parcast, Park- uh, the government was to diversify the company's business and make it less reliant on music streaming. Uh, then came a flurry of high-profile deals, including Michelle uh, Barack Obama's production company, Higher Ground. I swear, Michelle just did like an interview series and then just stopped doing it. <laughs> it's so easy. I said this to my boy the other yesterday, right? I was like, these rich people, man. I it, it just is. It's so simple when you get to a certain point. You know what I mean? It's just when you're when you're at a certain point of influence or power or money or all of it, um, either or, right? When you're at a certain spot, you just you just get given shit. You know what I mean? You just get given shit, and regardless if it's the best thing or the worst thing, don't fucking matter. You got your bread. It's so easy. Like just get a financial advisor, right? And they'll just tell you. Oh, oh, invest in that. That'll be good. And then you do it, and then your money's good. You just got you just got a bunch of residual pee right there. You know what I mean? It's just so easy when you're rich. I'm sorry, it is. It can't possibly be that hard. Like it's it's can't it can't be that hard. They're just given a a podcast deal. Michelle interviews a few people, maybe a bit of research put in, but. What, what what happens after that? It's done. Like you you spinning that after you, are you spinning that? Like it's, I don't know. I don't know if I'm be. I don't know if I'm sounding envious, but I am. Like it just comes up so easy. Like just I'm putting in effort to do this, to do this, you know, other stuff, right? And bump kiss, bump kiss, right? These motherfuckers, production company. What the fuck are you producing? You produced one thing, a uh, kids thing on Netflix. Um, I swear they had like a documentary. I don't know, man. It just feels like if you're a production company, you just you should just be dropping more. I don't know. I feel I feel like they just don't drop enough. You know what I mean? Especially uh, Megan and Harry thing. Like I swear they've literally dropped nothing. I swear they've literally dropped nothing. I can't. I not that I follow them, but I swear they literally dropped nothing. Anyway, lamentation over. Let's continue. The results of those deals, however, have been mixed. Some podcasters, such as Last Podcast on the Left, have opted to end their exclusive deals with Spotify. Spotify said it opted not to renew its exclusive deal with Higher Ground when it ends late this year. Really? Wonder why? Higher Ground has produced a handful of shows for Spotify, including the Michelle Obama podcast, which was its fourth, fourth most listened to podcast in 2020. 2020, guys. 2020 is two years ago. Uh, but there were some creative tensions over Spotify's design to have the Obamas play a more prominent role in the podcast compared to other voices that are not so well known. Oh, come on. What did you expect them to do? You expect, that, you expect Barack Obama to do a what's good? Don't. Come on, bro. What? Come on. Seriously, Spotify, that's what you expected. Come on. 
don't 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 fuck me off. Uh, quote: We uh, we don't uh, want to feel we're somebody's like sixth or seventh side hustle. Well, guess fucking what you are. <laughs> you were for for Barack Obama and Michelle Obama. Come on, stop, stop. Jesus Christ, you, you, you the entitlement is a bit mad. You want to feel that it's a priority to them. Dot dot dot, and they're really committed to the form and excited about it, and have something they want to say and do. Come on, what did you expect them to do? Did you expect Michelle and Barack to have just like a fucking husband and wife weekly? Like, come on, bruv, what the fuck did you not expect? One of Spotify's most controversial podcast deals was Rogan back in 2010. There was man in backlash against Rogan this year. Spark went scientists, medical professionals, asked Spotify to clarify COVID 19. We've talked about this before. I'm going to skip it. Uh, we've talked about it on the show before. Uh, quote. It was a great opportunity to talk to key partners and listen to uh, listen and learn uh, listen and to learn from both creators as well as our employee employee base. And a lot of changes have taken place. Cutler said, uh, "We've been very upfront about the guidelines now that we now that are now that are universal to all creators." Okay, unquote. Ultimately, despite some people vowing a boycott, quit Spotify. The company says monthly active users increased in the first quarter to four hundred two million for two four hundred twenty two million from up from four hundred six million in the previous quarter. Quote. They have done a reasonably decent job differentiating their service with podcasting by Joe Rogan, said Jeffney Vlodzazak, 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 um, a principal and senior analyst with Pivotal Research Group in an email. Uh, there was some controversy with his show earlier the year, uh, earlier this year, but they seem to handle that okay. Overall, I think the move to podcasting made sense, as it makes sense. Of course it makes sense. I, I get it. I just don't think it's economical to throw 300 bags at someone, 300 million bags at someone, but, you know, it's what it is. Do, do what you want. Um, anyway, uh, the company over the years have hired, has hired more uh, people to moderate uh, the content on its platform but declined to state how many employees it has in this area. Okay, users can report inappropriate content and Spotify uses technology to flag inappropriate content. Um... As Spotify, quote, as Spotify scales its podcast first philosophy, they also need to scale the way they adhere to creators uh, to, uh, 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 to, to their misinformation policy uh, they put in place, says uh, Kelsey Chickering, a principal uh, analyst with Forrester Research. Um, and that's the end of it. Um, so, you know, funny how, um, you know, Space Duckets didn't flag me up um, when um, uh, he gave a review for the Digging in Digits this past week um, saying that uh, there was two, two. Uh, assuming it was two white guys um, saying the N word on podcast, um, you know. Just um, yeah. Go look at go look at Fifth Element Twitter. It's pinned if you want to go look what I'm saying, talking about. Um, but yeah, just it just, just came up, just came up in in my thoughts. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just um, uh, it's probably like the last time I'm going to talk about Spotify for a bit. Um, because I'm because <laughs> that kind of exhausted me. I'm getting it. I'm getting a bit envious of just think hearing about um, celebrities and uh, cool cool plantations talking about this. Um, oh no, we oh, Joe Rogan said some bad shit years ago. And now we've deleted the episodes. Like you know, and obviously people are fickle. People ain't gonna bitch about Joe Rogan for the rest of their fucking lives. You know what I mean? Everyone's gonna get over it and move on. If you want to listen to Joe Rogan, go listen to Joe Rogan. If you don't, you don't. Um, but it's just it's just. It's just funny. It kind of made me laugh. The Barack Obama, uh, the Obama shit. It's just like, what really did you expect it to be their fucking main priority? You Spotify to the fucking former president and first lady of the United States. Like, it's just the there was a very there was a hint of there was a hint of entitlement there that I that kind of just made my nose swell up a bit. Um. So yeah, 
anyway, um, you know, I'm still on Spotify. Um, I think the boycott. I mean, I I would change, um, but there's kind of no point for me to. Um, if I, you know, without the tedium, there's a lot. There's a lot more tedium in my in my decision to do it. Um, the only time I'm gonna do it is when I get a proper uh, MP3 with a DAC, um, and then I can listen to my tunes from that. Um, because there's, believe it or not, guys, y- you are paying if you're on like uh, Deezer, Apple Music, Tidal, especially if you're using like a you know Tidal Hi-Fi or Hi-Fi Plus. There is no point in you doing that because the the quality is not going to come through um, on wireless earphones. If you're using wired earphones, if you're using like an Aston and Kern MP3 player, go for it. Go for it. Have your audio file fun. But if you're like most of you, most of you lot, they're just wearing AirPods in your fucking ears, and you and you're using uh and you're using tie dye tidal Hi-Fi Plus, for example, no point. It is completely wasted on you. The quality is completely wasted on you. Um, so yeah, that's kind of why I don't bother. Um, I, I share my I share uh, I share an account with my sister anyway. Um, so it just it just comes off as it's 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 very it's a it's a matter of convenience for me personally. Um, but until I get uh, the decent gear for it, I will definitely hop off Spotify as a sap. But that's not that day. So finish off with some with the second actually life uh, segment. Um, weird, I've had two life segments and they've been very very different uh, <laughs> for each other. Uh, this is about dating apps. Um, I'm not on dating apps, but I do find the concept very fascinating. Um, I have been on it before, but way back, way way back uh, when I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I was pretty successful on it. Um, but yeah, I just don't. I've never really gotten the vibe. I've never really gotten the essence of it. I'm just like. Mm, I don't like trying to get to know people like that, you know what I mean? And dating apps, you know, regardless of how they try and separate themselves, are the same thing. Um, but this is interesting, I saw us by Lucy Cavendish by The Guardians called The Demise of Dating App, or The Dating App, Why Singles Are Swapping Online Matching for Real Life Meetings. And big ups to you guys for doing that, because I feel like Real Life Meetings is just uh, just a million, a million miles better, just just outstandingly better um i've never just seen the quality in dating sites i know people succeed in it um in in their own ways um i've just never for for fulfilling for a fulfilling uh relationship i've just never seen the vibe let's jump right in it all started a year ago when having been divorced for a while i thought i might dip a toe in the date into the date in the dating world i wasn't thrilled by the idea as it's not where i expected to be in my mid-50s but as a hopeful soul, it felt important to see if there was life after divorce. I was warned by friends that dating online is not for the faint-hearted, but I'm a naturally curious person, and as a podcaster on various forms of dating, later data, and a love coach, I thought it was about time that I ventured I ventured into a world that I spend a lot of time talking about with clients and interviewees. Uh, I, I do find that, I feel like if you're going to do that, you probably should traffic in it a little bit, but you know, that's just me. Uh, what, I had, what I hadn't expected was to find a whole set of people who have had enough of dating apps. Time after time, uh, people I connected with online 
told me that they felt like the days of online matchmaking are numbered. I was surprised. I'd been led to believe that these apps, of which there are thousands, were the keys to finding love. I do find it so hilarious how many there are. It doesn't make sense. Why do you... I mean, here we go. Quick list here. I've have I have now been on and off dating sites, some other, more than others. I have tried many apps. I've done elite singles, Bumble, Tinder, Match, Muddy Matches, Pure, etc. The last two I've never heard of. Like Muddy Matches? What the fuck are Muddy Matches? I don't want to know. Sounds weird. Excuse me, I've got hiccups all of a sudden. Uh, the naysayers have a point. People are jaded and fed up. No one seems to know uh, that what they want and trying to meet anyone has proved not impossible. Also, no one really knows how to date, what to say, where to meet, or recognise if there's chemistry, so we give up, leaving us baffled and frustrated. So a year on, I can say from my own experience that yes, dating apps may actually have their, have had their day. I appreciate that during COVID, online dating was the only way to meet anyone. So it has played its part in ensuring that uh, now no one feels ashamed, humiliated, or ridiculed at being a quote-unquote lonely heart. The problem is, so many people don't actually meet face-to-face. There are various theories about this. People don't feel safe after meeting COVID. Everyone on dating apps is married, spoken for, um, and is just looking for flirtation and casual sex. Or, perhaps close to the truth, our lives are so busy that while the desire to meet someone is there, the work, family, social diet won't allow the time. There it is. That's me right there, ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, it's more about um, it's more about just where I am personally. I just don't feel like... I mean, I can... I, I feel like I could... Um, I could I can plant the seeds and grow a relationship, right? I feel like I can do that within myself. I can I can put in I can dedicate time to somebody, right? I can do that. Um, but it's more about my personal growth more than anything. I don't want someone to be kind of just. I don't want to. I don't want someone to not help me grow, but um. Because, you know, so I feel like supporting each other is, you know, is, is an important thing in that kind in relationships, I, I believe, personally. You know, what I mean, if you're not if you're not their supporter in, a, in the things they do, then what are you t- what are you going to do? What are you supporting? Uh, what are you talking about even? Um, so, you know, I will happily do that. Um, I just I just uh, I don't know. I don't really want another voice on my on my current situation. I think that's it. That's pretty much it, to be blunt. Um, so look deep into that if you want to. Uh, maybe I said something for you. Who knows? Um, there may also be a deeper cause. I see many clients who say they want to meet someone, but deep down they feel so damaged, hurt, let down and betrayed. <laughs> what they actually want is to check out someone uh, that uh, uh, someone else that might be interested in them, hence a flurry of texts. Uh, then when that's done, everyone stops communicating. That's, yeah, I, I don't relate to that, but I, I can believe it. Oh, excuse me. Uh, the cry I often hear is, uh, "Why can't I meet someone in real life?" For dating apps, uh, for dating apps, do not feel real. There's a lot of research that shows people behave far worse online than they ever uh, would in public. People body shame, ghost, attack, humiliate, mess around. Say that they say they are interested when they're not in a way that most human uh, beings would not do if they'd meet other met the other person in the flesh and maybe saw that there was a real human being in front of them, rather than potentially half-true profile and a filtered picture. The actor Rebel Wilson, 42, has talked about using dating apps in the past. 
Last week, she revealed in IG that she is dating fashion designer Ramona Agruma, whom she met through a friend. She told People magazine, quote, we spoke on the phone for weeks before meeting, and that was a really good way to get to know each other. It was a bit old school, very romantic, unquote. Good for them. Amid a plethora of apps, studies ha- uh, show we are struggling more than ever. In 1960, only 13% of households in the US were single person. Now that figure is 28. That's 37 million people many of them hoping against all odds to find that special someone to share their lives with. According to statistics, statistics, I'm saying right, uh, uh, more people are also single in the UK, with the number of adults living alone by up, uh, up by more than 8% in the past decade. Apologies for the plane. Uh, in the background, it's often not because they want to be alone, nor is it because they haven't tried to find love. In fact, many people have been searching for their one true love for years. Uh, a recent survey found that more than 323 million people worldwide use some kind of dating app. Many have realized that they may well be happily single, but they want to meet people to do things with or just hang out or flirt with, but not necessarily to have a full-on 24-7 relationship. In response, single groups have started up, for example, the members-only Otto Connection, whose members hold parties and lunches, bridge evenings, and attend gigs and concerts. A plethora of singles clubs, dinner, book, and film as well as holidays and all sorts of fun and inspirational groups are popping up where people are celebrating being single. And if they meet someone, great. But if not, they will enjoy their life anyway. We can cycle around the Amalfi Coast, kayak through the highlands, practice yoga, encounter like-minded people via the Meetup app. Or uh, Meet Up Up app? <laughs> Why is that said twice? That's happened literally in nearly every article, uh, apart from the LA Times articles. Just a, a word said twice uh, for some reason. Weird. Um... Anyway, on the many other apps which promote uh, people uh, having social lives. As Sophie Ann Ziegler, the founder of the Otto Connection, says, quote, I set up to create a place for like-minded, unattached people to meet in an unpressurized environment. It's not a day in sight. It's, re- it's redefining single as being an exciting and desirable place to be, unquote. Maybe a change is happening where being single becomes the norm and apps promoting uh, social events outnumber dating sites. It's an interesting concept and one that might free people up uh, from the disappointment of their experiences of dating apps and the increasingly outmoded stigma of being single. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, um, you know, I find, well, I do find all this, you know, uh, dating apps and, you know, being single and stuff like that. While I do find it fascinating, I really don't bother too much about it. I really don't think about it too often. Um, you know, there's always a moment where I'm just like, Damn, damn! I need me a woman right now. You know, I mean, just just, just something like that. Um, you know, I I I have those moments. Um, I don't get too down about it. Um, I'm happy being single. I'm happy, um, you know, being my own person and having my own interests, especially, and uh, exploring those interests. Right? You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna meet any. I, I I'm pretty confident. <laughs> never say never, but I'm pretty confident. I'm not going to meet someone that has the same music taste as me, the same film and TV taste as me, the same photography taste as me, or just any interest in those things, or, uh, you know, like the same food as I do, whatever, whatever, right? You know, that, that's obviously wishful thinking. Um, I do, I would, if, you know, if I had like a, a wish list, <laughs> I feel like I would like to, you know, just hit up similar events that I do now but just with someone um but past that I don't really care um past that yeah like just just 
just having stuff to do with, you know, with somebody. It's always it's always nice. You know, I've been to festivals on my own, I've been to shows on my own, and it's fine, it's great, you know what I mean? It's it's I can I I can I can appreciate my myself and love myself on that front. Um, for taking myself, you know, out of the house and um going to something that I really want to see, um, regardless if I if it's gonna tank me tank my wallet or whatever um it's it's something i wanted to do and it's an experience i wanted to have and i'm appreciative of myself to do that but it would be cool to have someone to do that with um so you know that's all i think about some uh, when, when it comes to you know companionship and stuff like that um but you know regardless of that you know if you if you're single you're single and just appreciate yourself because of it um don't don't get too disheartened if you can't find someone really really like if you, if you can't love yourself you shouldn't really love anyone um it all starts with yourself that's always the, the thing i come back to and with that said ladies and gentlemen from the fifth end podcast network i have a charlie taylor and it's been most good music has been intro, intro music has been uh too much by vanilla you're going to find his link in the full show notes thanks to the chill records for busy's track you can also find their link in the full show notes and thanks to the friend of five nappy high for the ability to use charismatic for the interlude you can also find his link in the full show notes and with that said i hope you all have a good week I should always try and do the same. Single. <laughs> Until next time. Take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.